Oh, it's powerful. I want to just take a minute. I want to read the word of the Lord over us this morning. Powerful, 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 profound words about Jesus. Out of Philippians chapter 2. It says that he existed in the form of God, yet gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. Look at this with me. It says that he was, speaking of Jesus, a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. And because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. And he has now been given the name above all names. Come on, give it up for the Lord. It's amazing. Fame in our modern-day pop culture is a very interesting sociological phenomenon. It's just crazy to think that we have within our society entire websites, podcasts, talk shows, tabloids, and television programs solely dedicated to the portrayal of the lives of the rich and famous. Now, because of this, I don't know if we even realize that subconsciously, as humans, feeding into these mediums, we actually think and believe that we know these people. I've hung around some famous people, and they tell me one of the craziest things when someone comes up to them like they're their best friend. We just had the anniversary, 50th anniversary of the Brady Bunch, you know? You watch those kind of programs as a child. You feel like you know those people. A funny story, Wendy and I, when we were living in Dallas, Texas, going to Bible school, we helped to plant a church down in that city. And one of the core couples on that church planting team were Kevin and Denise. We became very close with this couple. They had three young children, like we had at the time, two And when we transitioned back to Birmingham, Alabama, they actually relocated to um, a bedroom community outside of New York City in Wyckoff, New Jersey, to pastor a church. And, and we kept up with them for many, many years. As their children grew up, they began to get involved in acting and music, which wasn't a surprise because this couple was, was extremely talented in, in, in the arts. But, you know, as it goes with so many relationships, we just kind of lost touch after that. And we were sitting, uh, having Thanksgiving uh, dinner And we were watching the Macy's Day Parade, and there were their three sons, now teenagers, performing in the parade. Kevin, Nick, and Joe Jonas. I know this is old school, but they're performing. And I I said out of my mouth, I said, we know those kids. Now fast forward to 2007, we're down here, South Florida, four years into planting the harbor. And our children, uh, Savannah, Jesse, and Luke, who were 16, 11, and 6 at the time, 
informed me that the Jonas Brothers were doing the Best of Both Worlds tour with Miley Cyrus, a.k.a. Hannah Montana, and they would be performing in the BB&T Center in front of 20,000 people right here in South Florida. They were like, Daddy, please, like, you know these guys, like, can we get tickets and go? And I'm like, babe, I, I have lost touch with the Jonases, I, I, I haven't talked to them in years. So I phoned up to see if there was any tickets available, completely sold out. So I went on the, you know, the scalpers kind of website, and these things were now going for $5,000 a ticket. I told my kids, I love you, but I'm sorry, like, it's, it's not happening. Well, the next day, my daughter calls me up, and she's like, Daddy, listen, Kevin, Nick, and Joe, they're going to be doing this appearance at this cell phone store in Plantation. Please, Dad, go for us. I know their parents are going to be there. Maybe you can get some tickets. I'm like, oh, my gosh. No, no, Lord. But just out of love for my kids, I showed up. Now, set the stage here. There were 5,000 screaming teenage girls at this thing. One of the security guards, he, he went like this. He's like, I see you. Stranger danger here. I mean, this is, what are you doing in this crowd? <laughs> and the Jonas Brothers, they walked by me, and they wouldn't have known me because they were little when I, when I, when I knew them were hanging out. But, but then, then Kevin, the dad, comes by, and I kind of make my way through, through the crowd. I peek my head out, Kevin, Kevin. He's probably thinking, man, who's this weirdo? You know, like, but he kind of stopped, and he looked at me, just kind of sat there for a little bit, and then finally his security guard took him on. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I was so close. I get on the phone with Wendy. I'm like, babe, I tried. He was actually, Kevin was actually here. She's like, listen, I was praying for you, and I feel like in, in, in about an hour, don't worry, he's going to be calling you. And sure enough, my phone rings from this unknown number, and it's Kevin. He's like, Darren, I didn't even know you were living in South Florida. I thought that was you. So I called a mutual friend, got your number. He said, hey, what are you doing tonight? Do you need tickets or would you like some tickets to the concert? I'm like, man, I'm so glad that you asked. <laughs> yes, totally. So we show up at the stadium and man, we just get VIP. I mean, we, we had v- parking. They, they took our car. They, they walked us into the stadium and, and they took us to our seats, and I'm telling you, it was insane. We were, we were sitting in front of 20,000 people. We were on the front row right in front of the stage. So, you know, I'm just kind of sitting there like, you know, favors resting on us, man, just enjoying the moment. I look behind me, and Vanilla Ice is sitting in the row behind me with his daughter. I start singing under my breath, man, I got better seats than Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> Ice, ice, it was awesome. The, the concert was just magical, you know, and there was actually this one moment when Joe Jonas, the heartthrob, you know, begins singing to my single daughter, Savannah. I'm thinking, oh, one day they're going to get married, you know, she's on the, on this big screen. It was, it was just awesome. So after the concert, their, their parents came and, and came out to our seats and they asked us, hey, do you want to go? Meet the brothers. You know, that's what they said. You want to go meet the brothers. So we walk into the back. I'm going to show you a photo. And we're meeting the brothers. Don't look at my clothing or my design taste. This is, this is just bad. All right? But anyhow, we go back and meet the brothers. Um, but my, the experience for me was very strange because 
before the concert, watching these boys through all the mediums that I mentioned, I, I really felt like I knew them. But I didn't know them at all, and I realized that when I was talking to, to Joe in one awkward moment, kind of going back and, and, you know, doing the walk down memory lane of the Dallas days, and he kind of looks at me like, dude, I was like three? You know, he had no clue who I was, no reference point for knowing me, and I for sure didn't know them. The weird thing is with God, I think because he's this famous God, I mean, everybody for the most part especially in our country, has heard of Jesus. But unfortunately, the good majority of people don't even know him. In fact, even in church, even in people that do know him, how many of you know that that there's moments when we're discovering even more of who he actually is? Coming to greater understandings of who is this son of God. There's moments sometimes, even myself as a pastor, I sit there and go, Lord, like, Man, I feel like at times I don't even know you at all as you're revealing different aspects of your nature to me, your character. And so the goal I was praying about this morning, we don't want to just have another Easter service, man. We want to walk out of this building, every single person, whether you know the Lord or you've never known him, changed by his literal presence. I mean, he came to the world to have an intimate relationship with every single person that has been created in his image. And to accomplish this mission, I'm just going to look at three quotes, three literal quotes from three literal people in Mark chapter 15, verses 33 through 39. Now, to set this up, the context, Jesus is on the cross, literal moments from his death. How many of you know that you can really see something in a person's life in their greatest moment of vulnerability? In their greatest moments of brokenness, you really see what they're made of. And he's on this cross, verse 33, for three hours, beginning at noon. Now check this out. Darkness falls over the entire earth at noontime. And it lasted until three o'clock. And, and, and Jesus then shouts with this mighty voice in Aramaic, Ile, Ile, Lama, Labakani. I said it totally wrong, but anyhow, you get the point. And he says, it's basically interpreted, my God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? And it says that some who were standing near the cross misunderstood what he said and said, listen, he's calling for Elijah, though he was calling for his father. One bystander ran and got a sponge and soaked it with sour wine, then put it on a stick and held it up for Jesus to drink. But the rest said, leave him alone and let us see if Elijah comes to rescue him. We'll look at that in just a minute. But I want to point out something here that's, that's very, very profound as I looked at it. Jesus prior refused the real wine that they offered him, which would have numbed his pain, but instead chose to drink of the bitter wine so that he could be fully present in his affliction. I want that for just a minute. To be fully present in his, Paul calls it, light and momentary affliction. And just then, verse 37 says, Jesus passionately cries out. We know from other verses in the Bible that he says, it, come on, say it with me, is finished. Let's say it again, it is finished. And then it says in verse 38, that moment, the veil of the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to the bottom. 
And when the Roman military officer who was standing right in front of Jesus saw how he died, saw how he died. This was a military man that had seen thousands of people probably die in his lifetime. He says, there is no doubt that this man was the son of God. Three quotes. I want to start the first one when he said, my God, my God, why turned your back on me? You know, there's nothing like the feeling of being forsaken, especially in those vulnerable moments of life. Some years ago, myself and a few of our staff, we decided to go to North Carolina and just get away. We were going to be, spend some time together. Man, it was one of those, those trips where, man, it was raining cats and dogs bad. I mean, it was just storming. And we had a river rafting trip planned. So we called up the river rafting company just to check in. They're like, listen, I don't know about the trip. I mean, all the guides are super nervous. I mean, the, the river's running at flood stage right now. It's very dangerous. We don't want anything to happen to you guys. It's super risky. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Perfect. So we show up, and they give us this briefing, and they're telling us about all the different rapids that are on the river that we're going to have to navigate. And they said, listen, there's one, and especially today it's bad. It's called the Eye of God. Just sounded scary, you know what I mean? You gotta do you gotta just listen to our guides during that time. You gotta do whatever they say because you cannot go through that rapid today at the river height that it's at. So we get in our raft and we're going down the river and we see the first few boats make it through perfectly. But we're sitting here, I want to show you this picture, and we're sitting here right before this rapid and we're getting sucked in. I want you to look into our eyes for just a moment. Because we're staring at the eye of God. And it's staring back at us. And we're going into this thing. And when we got pulled into this, I'm telling you, if it was like a 12-foot wall of ice to surf out of high school. And it, it, I remember those days. It felt like a 12-foot wall of water that was coming over the top of us. And I was able to like put my arms out over Justin and Mary Catherine in, in that part of the boat. But when we came up out of, of, the, of the rapid, our guide and Michelle were out of the boat. And I cry out, cried out, my guide, my guide, why have you forsaken me? And we're just, go- it was so vulnerably terrifying. This covenant of grace, I want you to ponder this, where Jesus subjugated himself to to feeling the forsakenness of God so that we would never have to, is so profound. In fact, he submitted himself to take the penalty of all that we deserved for our sin. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. Now look at this. So that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Come on, somebody. The great exchange right there. Sin for righteousness. Sinner to sainthood. 
That is incredible. Not by anything that we did, but for everything that he took upon himself. It is finished. John the Baptist summed up, you know, this God who takes away the sin of the world in his first introduction when he said, Behold, Samuel preached on this on Friday, Good Friday. you got to come next year. It was amazing. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away. He came to take away. To not heap upon us guilt, shame, but to take away sin so that we could look like his son. The most profound act of love in human history. There's no greater love, John says in chapter 15, verse 13, than this, to lay down one's life for, for friends. Now listen, friendship is a rare commodity on the earth right now. Do you know that? Friendship is a rare commodity in South Florida. We want, in fact, I remember years ago, someone said, you guys are called to be a house of friends. Why? Because friends are present with other people. We're not in too big of a hurry. We're not after something in their life. We want to be present with them, especially in their times of affliction. This is how Jesus was for us. Here's the deal. What about when we ask these questions, well, what's, what do I do when I, when I don't feel him there? What about that? We've all been there, right? We've all been in those moments when it's like we're by ourselves. I love, I love the verses that David writes out of honesty in, in the book of Psalms after having been forsaken by his own father, by his spiritual father, Saul, by all his friends. As he was being hunted down, he said in Psalm 139, he said, look at this with me. Because we, we don't understand like... You know, especially with some gospels that are being preached today, we don't understand that, that he's with us in good times and bad, that, that life's not going to be perfect. It's not going to always be easy, but he's always going to be there. Look what he says. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. Now check this out. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Even if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Come on, if you've never walked through the valley of the shadow of death, trust me, you will one day. And when you find out that God is there with you, even in your most darkest moment, you will fall in love with him at a whole nother level. He doesn't forsake us in our challenges and even in our own brokenness. He comes and he's present with us in that space and he takes resonance in those moments. This was the purpose of the incarnation. Incarnation literally means the embodiment of a deity on this earth, in earthly form. And God subjugated, think about this, God who created all things, subjugated himself to both time and creation. Can you imagine the vulnerability? Can you imagine the humility to do something like that? So that we could have one thing, a personal intimate relationship with God himself. 
Look what John says in chapter 1, verse 14. He says, and so, the, I love this, this terminology, the living expression became a man and lived among us. All the, all the words in this verse. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with mercy and truth. The word there, gaze, some other versions say beheld, literally means, check this out, to recognize or to know. To recognize or to know. So the second quote where some were saying, listen, he's calling for Elijah, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to recognize, uh, to rescue him. You got to understand, the week before, his frenzied fans by the thousands were cheering him on, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna which literally means to save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're cheering him on. One moment. Save us. And the next minute they're saying, can you even save yourself? I want you to think about our culture. We love lifting up our heroes, and we love to see them fall. Because it makes us feel better. Can you save yourself? What you promised, we heard about it, that Elijah was going to come and restore all things. Is that really going to happen now in this moment? I want to show you something that's very powerful. you got to see this. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 9, they're hiking down the mountain together. This is after, you got to check this out. This is after Jesus was transfigured before them, meaning... His humanity was peeled back for a moment, and they were able to peer in and see his divinity. It was the only time he ever showed himself in this way. And he tells them, don't say anything to anybody about this as they're walking down the mountain. He says, wait until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Listen, the word's going to get out eventually, but it's going to be after I conquer death, hell, and the grave. And his disciples asked him in chapter 17, verse 10, why do all the religious scholars insist that Elijah must first come before the anointed one comes? And he answered, they're right. Elijah must first come and restore all things. But it wasn't in the way that they thought. He says, Elijah has actually already appeared. They knew it was John the Baptist that he was speaking of. And yet, look at this. They didn't what? They didn't recognize him. They didn't know him. And because of that, they did to him whatever they pleased. And he says the Son of Man is destined to suffer the exact same abuse that they did to him. Mark 15, 37. In this moment, Jesus passionately cries out, it is finished. And he breathes his last breath. And at that moment, it says that the veil of the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to bottom. Now this is very important. Stay with me. You see, because it was behind that veil that the famous God of Israel lived, yet no one could go in and visit him. 
And it was behind that veil that their famous priest, once a year on the Day of Atonement, could go behind and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat from the sacrificial lamb to pay for the sins of the people. But no one else could go in there. And what's amazing is that year after year, for thousands of years, they had been doing this. And yet they didn't recognize that now that same action of redemption had been brought out from some secret building and put on display in the streets. This is where this whole thing's going. This ain't for some building, this move of God. This is for a display of the love of God out on the streets for people that are looking for and needing redemption. And the the children of Israel, they couldn't see it. They couldn't recognize him. They didn't know him. But the mind-blowing thing to me is that the Roman military officer, the centurion, who was far from God, or so we'd think, was able to recognize who this man truly was. Why, he knew the pop culture of that day. He was employed by the Roman Empire. He wasn't a religious guy. He, He knew the deal. The emperor and his economy was the savior of all the people. He was the father. He was the head of the Roman religion called the imperial cult. All him and his family members were considered incarnational deities. Did you know that? And through power and through conquest and through using a sharp mental mind alone, everything apart from the presence of God, they, they would advance their kingdoms on the earth. And Jesus is there before this centurion. And seeing the king of the Jews, because it was written above his head, and how he lived and how he died. After being mocked and spit in his face and beaten and ridiculed, he saw something. And he heard some things. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In a moment of total abandonment and forsakenness, Trust came forth from Jesus. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was a different culture. He was seeing something otherworldly. And he cries out, third quote, there is no doubt that this man was the son of God. Now you need to ponder this for a minute as we close. This was a treasonous act. You're talking a military officer that never breaks protocol. And he was the one actually in charge of crucifying this man. Says, this was the son of God. Not only was he breaking military protocol, but religious protocol as well. Saying, now there's an incarnational deity. There's one that I could give my life to. Life, come on, was flooding into his soul. Maybe for the first time in his entire existence on the planet. But you know what? Life was breaking forth all over the place. I want to show you a crazy verse as we close. Matthew 27. Same context of the other verses that we were reading. Jesus shouts out again, releases spirit. At that moment, the sanctuary of Uh, The temple was torn of the curtain and the temple was torn in two, top to bottom. But look at this. The earth shook. The rock split. And God
godly men, many of them, who had already died, were raised from the dead. Verse 53, they left the cemetery, because there ain't no grave that's going to hold them down, and they went into the holy city and began to walk around Jerusalem and appear to many people. You know what they were saying, I guarantee it? Oh, you guys have no idea who this one is. We've already seen him. He's sitting on a throne and he's reigning in glory. He's above all things. He's got a name that's above every single name. There's a scroll that no one else could open that he he alone was able to open up. He's no there's no rival to this one. You got to understand. There's no equal to him. This God that you're seeing incarnationally, he will reign forever. Would you stand with me? We're going to we're going to sing out a song today. And when we do, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to break the power of religion. Did you know that for 40 years, after the curtain was split, some religious people sewed it back together, hung it back up in the Holy of Holies, and tried to pretend like nothing happened? We're not going to pretend like nothing happened anymore. We're not just going to go through some religious little motion, have a nice little service, go eat some food, and then call it a day. No, we're going we're gonna to celebrate the fact that Jesus right now reigns above all things. Come on. If you know it, sing with us. You were the word of the one with God the Lord most high your hidden glory in creation and now revealed in you are Christ what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. Hidden in one heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. And what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Christ, my 
creation that we see around us nothing was done that wasn't done through his hands he is your alpha and your omega in other words you were a dream in his heart before the the creations of the world and even right now in your hope filled tomorrow the omega Jesus is waiting there right in that place for you I don't know where you find yourself today. You may be in a place completely absence of all faith. Maybe you know the Lord, but you've been walking through a tough time and you feel like, my God, where are you in this moment? Maybe you're riding high right now and there's, even through this message, just greater measures of understanding of this one that you're following. The Lord can meet all of us here today. Here's the deal. Jesus didn't just die on the cross so that we could believe that he died on the cross. He died on the cross so that we could benefit for why he died on the cross. There's a massive difference between belief and benefit. The devil and the demons believe, but they don't benefit. We are the ones that he came to die for, so we are the beneficiaries of his gift. And it's a gift that he's extended to every single person. Not only for salvation, which we all need. Save us, Hosanna. But he also came that we could have our broken spirits, souls, and bodies made whole. So that life could find its ways into the still dead places of our hearts. 
to heal the orphan wound of feeling forsaken by literally adopting us into his family through his son so that we never have to feel forsaken again. Where are you this morning? Invite the presence of God, Jesus himself, who is coming to you this morning and wanting to sit with you in your affliction, in your emotion, good emotion or challenging emotion. He wants to be present with you. He wants to feel what you feel. Sit with him. Let him sit with you. There's something big going on right now in the earth. There's something massive happening right now, even in our own region. And you are a key part of that. And what's going to unlock the door is an intimate relationship with the creator of your soul that will open up an understanding of your identity and even what you were called to do with this life like you can't even imagine. Everybody look at me for just a minute. We're going to have some of our team over here to the right. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. We want to give a clear opportunity for that to happen this morning. They're over here willing to have a conversation with you. Maybe you're here today, you know the Lord, but you're like, man, something's just not right. And I want to make it right today. I want that righteousness to find its way into my heart today. They're going to be there for you. Can we just give one more beautiful hand clap to the Lord, to Jesus for all he's done for us? It's amazing. So good. So good. We are transformed people who are transforming culture. We're here to bring a different atmosphere than the one that the world brings. There's no life in that atmosphere. There's life in this one. And there's people that are hungry for it. Go and give it away, okay? Go and give it away. You guys have an awesome rest of your Sunday. God bless you. In Jesus' name.